From the PSI ASI Studios in Lakewood, Colorado, I'm George Thomas. You're listening to First Chair and uh, first part of our series on teaching kids with Stacy Garish. Stacy, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, George. I'm happy to be here. Now let's kind of kick this off with the uh, project that you've been putting a lot of effort into lately. Tell us about the children's manual that's coming together. Yeah, you bet. Um, I've been working on the next edition of the Children's Manual with Dusty Dyer and uh, several other folks are reviewing it. And we are a week away from doing our photo and video shoot for the manual, which is really exciting. Now, video, how is that going to go into the manual? So, yeah, thanks for asking that. Um, so the, the current edition of the Children's Manual obviously has photos, but this will be our first time bringing video into the Children's Manual. And one of the things that we discussed today is having um, the opportunity to, ha- to interview the children that will be in the photo and video shoot and ask them what do they want from us as instructors. So the Children's Manual is designed for the PSI-ASI membership. Um, anyone who wants to use the manual, but we're hoping that by having video to supplement the text and the photo, um, instructors will find helpful footage from from other instructors teaching children, but really we want to capture some footage directly from children telling us what they need from us to be more successful in teaching them snow sports. So you're actually interviewing the kids? We will be interviewing the children that are in the shoot, yeah. So um, fingers crossed that it all comes out really well. Well, that sounds really fun. I can't wait to see how the manual comes together and just uh, applaud you for all the work that you've put into this project. Thank you so much, George. It's uh, definitely a passion project for sure. So, Stacy, let's get into our series and, and what we want to address here, which would be kind of the developmental differences between specific ages and how we address those children's needs. And you recently had uh, quite a bit of experience with a a four-and-a-half-year-old. Tell us about that. I did. Um, So I spent the Christmas holiday teaching at Beaver Creek, and uh, I was fortunate enough to spend quite a few days, more than a week, with a young boy who's four-and-a-half. Actually, during the course of our lesson, he turned four-and-three-quarters, which... Uh, was a very important milestone for him, and um, so I need to make sure I announce that. Um, so, yes, working with that age group is fresh on my mind. And I recently came off a three-hour private with a three-year-old and a five-year-old, and when they came out, I was just like, oh, my gosh, I hope I can do a good job here. And it ended up being a wonderful three hours and just had a fantastic time. Tell us about the age, uh, three to five, four to five. What are some things there that we need to look at as instructors? It can be really difficult for us to identify with that age. You bet. So um, let's let's approach this using the CAP model, okay? So to remind folks that are listening, the CAP model is the cognitive, affective, and physical side of a human being and um, how people think how they process information, um, their emotions, how they feel, what their social interactions are like, and then what they're physically um, able to do based on their stage of development physically. So um, I'll try to speak uh, to all three of those areas. And because I just spent all this time with this four-year-old, it's, uh, I've got real live 
um, child to refer to. So young children in that um, sort of three to six age group, they um, think and speak using a really simple series of words. Um, and that is a function of their where they are in their cognitive development. It's it's not because they have a limited vocabulary, um, but it's more to do with how their brain works. Um, and to me, that's one of the most fun aspects of working with that age group. They're easily entertained, and they entertain easily. <laughs> um, so, you know, for example, um, if your mountain has animal signs for children to meet at at the top of a list, um, you would want to say to a young child, when we get off the list, meet me at the brown moose. Um, you're going to have a better success rate of the child actually meeting you at the brown moose than if you were to say, get off the chair, take a left, feet on the hill about 10 yards, turn to the right and meet me on the side. That's probably not going to be remembered by that age group. Um, the other thing is just the timing of how we give instructions is really important for younger students. Um, the best time for us to give them information is right before they attempt something um, versus, instead of giving them information while they're doing it. Um, younger children really learn through the sensation of the experience. Um, they have so much pleasure seeing new things, um, touching new things, um, experiencing the snow, and um, the sensations that come along with it. The young boy that I was skiing with recently um, found great enjoyment in repetition because with repetition, every run, he had more, com more of a comfort level and ownership of where we were going. And he was able to lead me down the hill instead of me having to lead him, which for a four-and-a-half-year-old is a huge um, sense of independence. And they don't get to experience that much independence at that younger age. Um, I was going to so say, we, to be he, leading you had to be just a monumental feeling for that ch child. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, you know, the simplest thing to them, what may seem so simple to us and potentially, you know, boring to us is actually really exciting for them. And, and I think one of the trickiest things is explaining to their parents that, you know, when they say, well, where did you guys ski today? And you say, well, for example, at Beaver Creek, we skied, um, we did four laps through Jack Rabbit Alley and the gold mine, and then we skied cinch down to Rose Bowl. And the parents think, that's all you did? Why aren't you skiing more different varied terrain? And, you know, the young child is like, no, you don't understand. That's, to them, that's like going on a ride at Disney that's really exhilarating and being able to do the same ride over again. Um, and so I think we just have to remember that for them – thrill and excitement comes in more simple ways. And how do you explain that to the parents in a way that uh, they can understand what you just said? Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's um, you know, all not all parents are the same. So um, it can be a simple explanation that's received well, or it can be um, challenging if the parents' expectations don't match up with what we're saying. Um, I find that especially if it's a private lesson situation and you have a chance to invite the parents to join you um, for one of those runs so they can see the accomplishment in their child and the sense of independence and the excitement. Sometimes that's all it takes and, it, and that will supersede an explanation. But if that's not a possibility, I think 
between the instructor and the child, allowing the child to also explain and tell the story of their day. Um, it kind of brings the adventure to life through the child's voice, and parents usually find that pretty exciting. I have to share this with you. Just over the weekend, I had an interaction with a couple of uh, five-year-old male skiers, and they were getting pretty tired, and so we just started playing catch with one of my ski gloves. And mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it when one of the boys said, this would be so fun if we were doing this and we were on our skis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so did you do that then? Oh, you better believe it. They started sliding oh, toward awesome. me and were throwing the glove back and forth. They would catch it and throw it back. And we ended up having a blast. They had so much fun that day. That's great, George. That's such a great example of um, experiential learning and bringing play into the lesson environment. Um, that's a huge motivator for many, many young children. Um, and that sort of taps right into that affective realm. So just by, you know, you playing that game with them with your gloves, which is pretty simple, right? And they identified with it and wanted to bring that into their skiing, that's satisfying them in that affective realm, that emotional realm, helping them feel um, more confident, boosting their self-esteem and bringing that playful nature into the lessons. Um, that's so great. One of the things I did with this um, four-and-a-half-year-old is uh, when we were skiing down um, Cinch, which is a pretty very easy green sort of traversing road run, um, I taught him how to go up on the sides of the run, which a lot of children like to do, right? You go up on the side, you turn your tips, and you ski back down. And in doing that, I was able to captivate him in the cognitive and affective realm but mostly I was able to affect change in his movement pattern. So by teaching him to direct his skis up on the side of the hill and then twist his feet so that his tips were coming back down onto the road, he started to find foot-to-foot balance. He started really redirecting with the inside leg and getting out of that wedge. And before I knew it, he, I mean, he was asking to do that. And then you go up on the side and you find a jump and then you're starting to bring in some flexion and extension and four ass. Um, it's amazing that you just have to create the environment, create the drill that really speaks to that age group. And the learning just happens through the experience of repetition. And what are some physical signs we need to be looking for with this age group for we're getting tired and uh, maybe we just need a change of pace. What are some things we really want to be looking for? Well, you know, it's funny. Um, that's a great question, George. And it's funny because people think, you know, this must be so different than any other human being. These little people, like how do we relate to them and how do we know? And um, honestly, I would say it's not too dissimilar from, from an adult. Um, so with youngsters like that, you know, they might not vocalize that they're getting tired or that they have to go to the bathroom or that they're hungry, um, but you'll certainly see it in, um, in a, bit, a bit in their personality or their attitude. Um, they may start to get a little cranky, um, something that didn't upset them as, early, as soon as a run ago is now upsetting them. Um, they may start losing their balance more, um, falling more often, um, they may just stop and plop themselves down in the snow and not want to move anymore. Um, I will say that the four-and-a-half-year-old that I was with, though, um, when he got tired, he was not afraid to let me know, and it was pretty cute. You know, he would tell me, okay, Stacey, at the bottom of this next run, 
we're stopping. And I'd say, okay, and um, what are we doing when we're stopping? And he'd say, well, my stomach is telling me that I need a hot chocolate and I need a snack. And I'd say, okay, well, your stomach knows all, so that's what we'll do. (laughs) So they often speak a little bit in the third person. And I think it's okay to encourage that because it allows them to share what they're feeling and feel a little less nervous about sharing it. How do we handle the phrase, I want my mommy? (laughs) Oh, that is such a dreaded phrase. So, um... (laughs) Uh, I'm going to, um, what I'm about to say is a bit of a generalization. Um, however, I have found in my experience teaching that when a child is asking for their parents, it's usually because a, they're not connecting with you as the instructor. B, they need to go to the bathroom and they're too embarrassed to tell you. Um, C, they're hungry and they don't know how to ask you for food. And, um, lastly, they're just tired. And so they know that by being with their parents, that means that they can go home or they can take a nap. So, um, you know, when they ask for their parent, it's important to ask them, um, what can I do for you until we get to your parents? Is there something that I can do to help you right now? And then you start making suggestions. Um, How about, would you feel better if we went inside and took a break? Would you feel better if we went inside and went to the restroom? Um, Would you feel better if we got a snack or something to drink? Um, We could go inside and put our head down on the table for 10 minutes and take a quick nap. So just making those suggestions, sometimes we'll let them share with you a little bit more about why they want their mom and dad. Um, If they don't respond to any of those things, it's probably time to take a good hard look at how well you're connecting with the child and are you building a learning atmosphere of trust um, where they feel that they can trust you and they feel comfortable being with you. Now, Stacey, you bring up a, an incredible point here. How do we create that atmosphere, that learning atmosphere, that atmosphere of trust with a four to six year old? Well, uh, I'm not going to say it's easy, um, but I will, I'll share an example, I guess might be one way. I'll share an example from working with this recent uh, four and a half year old. Um, it was a private lesson, and when I picked him up at his house, um, and we'd go skiing, and when, we, when I picked him up, his dad was always working on the computer. And so on one of the first days, I started speaking to this child about, um, you know, the fact that we were going skiing, and his dad was going to come and meet us later when he was finished doing his work. And the boy said, yeah, it's important that you get your work done before you go skiing. And I said, absolutely. You and I are you know, have we gotten our work done? Are we ready to go skiing? And he said, well, no, actually, um, I'd like to um, write a story first. I said, okay. So we went inside and um, I opened up a Word document and I let him play on the keyboard. He doesn't know how to type, but he just hit random letters. And he created a page of nonsense, right? So we printed it. I said, let's print it out and we'll take it with us. And maybe we could read it while we're going up the mountain. So we got onto the gondola and he pulled out, he couldn't wait. And he pulled out the piece of paper. He said, read it, read it. And so I read it and I tried to read it in a funny way. Um, even though the words didn't make any sense, you know, it was just a compilation of letters and numbers. And I put inflection and just made it sound like I was telling an absolutely nonsense story. And he thought it was hilarious and he wanted to share it with everyone that we encountered. 
And it was literally in that moment that I think he started to connect with me and develop trust. And it was the first time when we did that, the first day, when he didn't ask me when we were meeting up with his mom and dad. Prior to that day, he had asked me, what time are we meeting my mom? What time is my dad coming to meet us? When are we going to see with my mom and my dad? And so I, I can't tell you that there's one answer but, or one solution, but I think the best thing is to be really perceptive and notice what's going on in their family life um, if you have that chance and try to um, engage them in a way that makes them feel like they're doing something that connects them to whatever it is that their mom and dad do. And it seemed to work in this case. And uh, we had an amazing, fun time for the rest of the time we were together. We laughed more after that incident than we had laughed in the days prior. So I'd say it was successful. Stacey, it sounds like you had a wonderful time over Christmas. It's been great chatting with you. What age group are we going to be talking about next time? Well, let's see. We talked a lot about the younger age group. So how about we move into that sort of middle range next time? So getting closer to double digits, but not into the teens. So kind of 7 to 11-ish? Yeah, let's do 7 to 11. All right. That sounds great. Stacy Garish, thank you so much for joining us on First Chair. Thank you, George. From the PSIA ASI Studios in Lakewood, Colorado, I'm George Thomas.